reading for today is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 9 to 23, 34 and 35, and 44 to 48. Peter's Vision About, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The man replied, we have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the man into the house to be his guests. Verse 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accept from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Verses 44 and 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Ghost was being poured out on even Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Thanks be to God. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Greetings to all of you tuning in to, the days, to today's service. I am delighted to be sharing in worship with you. In Christ there is no east or west, in him no north or south, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide world. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, please open our ears to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may have soft hearts, open ears for your word. Speak through me, Lord. May my words be your words and yours alone. Amen. The book of Acts is a book of the Bible that is driven by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in many lives in this book, and it is evident to us that something new and great is happening. The anointing of the Holy Spirit enables us to love and embrace others as we continue to grow as Christians, become better disciples, and walk in the anointing of the boundless power of the Holy Spirit. We can never cease to be amazed. The Holy Spirit does not prefer one race or gender over another. In our carnal nature, we sometimes push certain people away. But once we have truly, but once we truly have the anointing, this Holy Spirit allows us to see beyond the natural attributes and accept people as they are. We also realize that God's grace is for all. God's love is not like humankind's love. Regardless of where you have been, what you have done, or who you are, God's love is yours if you are willing to let him into your heart. In the scripture passages in Acts chapter 10, we discover how the anointing of the Holy Spirit enables Peter to minister to a Gentile family, and they were all saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit as a result. It is a very interesting Bible story because here Peter is confronted with an image that goes against previous teaching that he had received. God is telling him, do not call anything impure that I have made clean. But we know that in Leviticus chapter 11, there were clear guidelines already laid down regarding what animals from sea and land we should and should not eat. So can you imagine getting this information that turns everything you believe and respect it completely on its head. However, we soon learn that this encounter was not really about food, and most importantly, Peter did not have to eat any of those foods that he, detect 
detested. The lime do not call anything impure that I have made clean was actually referring to God's people. If we look more closely at the narrative of Peter's vision, we realize he was on the roof in solitude praying, and it also states that he was hungry. While waiting for food, he fell on a into a trance, and it is at this moment that he had the vision of the sheep being let down from heaven with all kinds of animals, including reptiles and birds. When he heard the voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat, he protested against what it instructed him to do. Surely not, Lord, he said. The voice then spoke to Peter a further two times, advising him not to call anything unclean that God has made clean. At the same time, while Peter was thinking about what had just happened, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter then went with the men, who informed him that they were sent by Cornelius the centurion. And it is noteworthy here that we are given a description of Cornelius. He is described as a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. He was also a member of the Roman army. However, right away we know what happens next will be very significant because how would Peter with his Hebrew background deal with the inclusion of Cornelius and other Gentiles in the church. Cornelius was a Gentile who loved the Lord and God of Israel, was sympathetic to and supportive to the Jewish faith, yet he stopped short of becoming a full Jew in lifestyle and in circumcision. It is important to note that Jewish people of that time respected and appreciated those God-fearing Gentiles, but they could not really share their lives, homes, and food with them because they were still in fact Gentiles and not full Jewish converts. This therefore makes the fact that Cornelius asked Peter to visit him all the more unique. Imagine being asked to visit the home of someone you felt you did not see eye to eye with or who you did not interact with regularly. This required humility on Peter's part to follow such instruction and to also follow the commandment that states that we should love one another as Christ love us, John thirteen thirty four. Try to envision for a moment what it must have been like for Cornelius to have the nerve to request Peter's presence at his home, instead of going to Peter himself. 
interesting, isn't it? But the truth is, Cornelius was being led by the Holy Spirit. So we get the confidence and boldness to make such request and had it granted. Cornelius and Peter's hearts were already being prepared for this moment long before it happened. Cornelius obeyed the voice of the angel and the message given. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accept from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. This is a real turning point in the story. As we would say, the penny finally dropped. Peter got the true meaning of his vision and also his later encounter with Cornelius. At this point in time, Peter got new revelation. His words show that he saw the truth. This is why, while now he was at Cornelius' house, some scholars state that although it is the conversion of Cornelius, it is also the conversion of Peter. It often takes a lot of time for us to change our minds or thinking on what we know to be right. For example, Peter is clear in telling Cornelius what he would already know, that it was unlawful for a Jew to associate with or even to go to the house of a Gentile. But then he proceeded to explain that God had revealed to him in a dream that he would, should not call any living thing profane or unclean. The implication here is that if it were up to Peter, with his Jewish background, he would have regarded Cornelius as unclean. But as Peter is entering into a broader understanding of the gospel and how inclusive it should be, it goes beyond the normal religious understanding. Peter is now aware that the gift of the Holy Spirit is even for the Gentiles. Even though he is astounded by this fact, he realizes that it is testament to the fact that God's forgiveness is not limited. So we as individuals should not seek to be put should not seek to put restrictions on it. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Acts 10, verse 47. You see, in God's economy, the laws are just as much God's children as the farm. Out of pure, unchanging love, he is prepared to leave the 99 to rescue the one that has gone astray. Acts also shows us 
that sometimes those of us who are saved are not to sit waiting around for unsaved. Sometimes we need to be led by the Spirit, go out to them and bring them in. One well-known song puts it this way, Seeking the laws and pointing to Jesus, souls that are weak and hearts that are sore, leading them forth in ways of salvation, showing the path to life evermore. So you see, when the Holy Spirit takes control of your life, things become different, and we have a clearer understanding of God's will for our lives. However, sometimes doing the will of God gets us into difficult situation because Peter would have to later have to explain himself to the consul of Jerusalem and state why he was eating and fellowshipping with Gentiles. Brothers and sisters, as I close, I want to encourage us to be inspired by Peter's radical change in thinking and to appreciate that the church, all of the church, must be of one accord. Additionally, we must have no fear in preaching the gospel of our Lord to others, even if they do not look like us, walk, talk, or dress like us. We can still share God's love with them so they too can be friends of Jesus. We must approach those who we think are not of our, are at our station and we do not have to wait for a vision or special timing like Peter. But when we do get it, we must act. From this day onward, let us not limit the power of God and the Holy Spirit. He can surprise us with those he chooses to walk through. Let us continue to trust him. We have learned from Peter's experience. Church family, hear me and hear me well. On this sixth Sunday of Easter, we must continue to spread the great news of our risen Lord and his boundless love with others in the hope of bringing them and their families to Christ. Let us pray. Dear God, your word has gone forth. May the seed that is planted germinate and may many more souls be added to your kingdom. God bless us all. Amen. Meditation of Peter. You must be joking, Lord. That's what I told him. And I was deadly serious. For the very idea of eating unclean food filled me with revulsion. My stomach heaving at the prospect. Even if I'd been starving, I wouldn't have touched it. No way. Yet this voice went on and on, ringing in my ears. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat it. And each time afterwards, 
despite my protestations, the same message. What God has made clean, you must not call profane. I was thankful to wake up and find it was all a dream. Yet my relief was short-lived, for the picture still haunted me, hovering in my mind's eye. And, try as I might, I couldn't remove it. I was baffled, mystified, and a touch ashamed at even entertaining such thoughts, for they went against everything I believed, everything I'd been taught from my mother's arms. But there was no time for brooding, for suddenly these strangers appeared, calling my name, and to their voices was added another, that voice of my dream. Get up, go down, go with them. So I went, and I found that God had gone before me, a man waiting there expectantly, a Roman centurion, and all at once, it made sense. The mystery resolved. He was a Gentile, you see, according to our law, unclean, impure, someone I was bound as a Jew to refuse. And just a day earlier, I'd have done just that. The alternative, unthinkable. Only that was yesterday. This was today. God had shown me different. His love open to any, whatever their culture, color or creed. He was rejoicing when I left, filled with the spirit. That man I'd have passed without a thought, impervious to his pleas. But while I saw the barriers that kept us apart, God, through his love, brought us together. And at last, for the first time in my life, I saw not the outside, but the person within, the child of God for whom Christ died, as he died for you, for me, for everyone. Mighty God, teach me to be open to all the ways you are at work in everything I can learn from the experiences and insights of others. Sweep away the bias and the bigotry that can so easily come and they dominate my life so that I may grasp the height, the length, the depth and the breadths of your purpose that transcends all my expectations. Amen. Let's remind ourselves this morning as we, as we close in worship that uh, God's grace is indeed for all. And God places us in relationship with friends and family and uh, perhaps often some strangers who come along our way uh, and he calls us to go and to uh, reflect his love and his acceptance and his grace.
So as we finish this morning by singing, this is amazing grace, uh, let's make that our prayer.